The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from The Other Side of Midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus... To bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary. Based on well-verified references vetted through vigilance and discernment. Our desire, desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers. And interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. With clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. My name is Timothy Saunders, and I'm one of your trio of co-hosts on this 84th edition of The Other Side of the News. I'm speaking to you this early morning from southwest Turkey, and will soon be joined by Kintia from her infamous wheelhouse nearby the Golden Gate, and Annette Driscoll, who is also currently in the Bay Area. This show is entitled The Deteriorating Narrative. Much has happened on the pandemic radar since the transition from 2021 to 2022. However, I feel a new sense that people in general are not so easily buying into the latest moronic wave of Omicron propaganda. And as a result, have become more defiant. As each successive wave of bullshit is issued by the puppet masters or minority, as I prefer to call them, supported by their weak-minded puppet leaders, and aided by their mainstream and social media prostitutes, the less convincing this already flawed story becomes. Have you taken the time to sample the feedback to established government bodies, media houses, and so-called influential companies on social media? The majority that still permit comments are very distrusting and negative regarding any topics that support the pandemic narrative. Further, selected renegade doctors and figureheads are starting to make more frequent appearances on mainstream and social media, however, however short their time slots are. During the transition from 21 to 22, Dr. Peter McCulloch and Dr. Robert Malone appeared in several separate in-depth interviews, and a number of movies were released, including Don't Look Up, which features a number of reflections about the current state of humanity. And while many lockdowns were not ultimately enforced over the holiday period, allowing families to finally come together, many countries seem to continue in their brutal attempts to lock down, spy and control their citizens. I would therefore suggest the key watchword this year is discernment. As I believe the minority has opened a new box of tricks to assist their ongoing mass formation psychosis and DNA altering experiments on humanity. 
And these tricks include inserting covert controlled opposition into what many have grown to think of as trusted sources in an attempt to sucker some of the pandemic disbelievers into false senses of security with a view to discredit, ridicule, destabilize their notion of what is actually true. As much as I was delighted to hear the likes of Dr. Robert Malone, apparently speaking his mind on Rogan et al and on newcomer GB News, I also remain suspicious about his motivation and his background. While his website paints a very rosy picture, he did co-write a book with a best friend who is part of the CIA. Uh, he says he discovered key mRNA techniques which have made many of these vaxes possible. Now, I could be very wrong. However, why the U-turn? Does he still gain royalties on the discovery? And if so, would he ever admit it? He may be disclosing some of the truth, however, it does not make all of his words ring true. And as to, for Dr. Peter McCullough, who I have previously referenced in my opening on uh, the other side of the news, you may like to listen to a quick sample of some of his recent words. Keith, please roll my sound excerpt A. So you believe this is a premeditated thing that they were doing. So they realized that in order to get people enthusiastic about taking this vaccine, the best way to do that was to not have a protocol for treatment. It's not just my idea. Now it's completely laid out by the book by Dr. Pam Popper, the book recently published by Peter Bregan, uh, COVID-19 and the Global Predators, We Are the Prey. I wrote one of the uh, introductions. Dr. Leafleet and Dr. Vladimir Lysenko wrote the other introductions. These books are basically nonfiction. They have a thousand citations in the Bregan book showing how it was coordinated and planned. Now Bobby Kennedy has his book out, The Real Anthony Fauci. I'm the most uh, mentioned physician in that book. I can tell you that if you want to find the evidence that Moderna was working on the vaccine before the virus ever emanated out of the lab, if you wanted to find the, the collusions and the operations between the Gates Foundation and Gavi and CEPI and Pfizer and Moderna and the vaccine manufacturers and the Wuhan lab and the National Institutes of Health and Ralph Barrick and University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and how all this was organized, if you want to see the Johns Hopkins planning seminar called the SPARS pandemic in 2017, where they had a symposium. People showed up. They wrote up their symposium findings. They published this. It says it's going to be a coronavirus. It's going to be related to MERS and SARS. It's going to come over here to the United States. It's going to shut down cities and frighten people. There's going to be confusion regarding a drug, hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. And we're going to utilize all that in order to railroad the population into mass vaccination. It's laid out in the Johns Hopkins SPARS pandemic training seminar. The only thing that got wrong was the year. They said it was going to be 2025. Instead, it landed a few years. Well, Keith, thank you for that. And let's go straight into sound at B. That's how the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health had the death count up on CNN and MSNBC and Fox as a scoreboard. Do you remember the scoreboard mm. was number of cases and deaths? How do they get that, Joe? Come on, I fill out death certificates every day. Do you know the average death certificate comes to me six weeks after the death? How are they getting these deaths, instantaneous numbers, picking up every day? It was extraordinary what Americans saw. So, so how were they getting that? To this day, we don't know. And let's keep rolling on to sound excerpt C. That's called the spike protein. 1,200 amino acids, about a dozen glycosylation sites. It has some homology, by the way, to HIV. Uh, and so a lot of people don't know this. 
but the original, one of the original antigenic vaccines that was tested in Australia exposed that HIV epitope. It turned everybody in the trial HIV positive who took a COVID-19 vaccine in Australia. These young people were outraged. And so this was on the internet. It was quickly suppressed. But if anybody wants to type this in right now, you can actually learn that one of the very first vaccines tried in Australia actually turned everybody HIV positive. They didn't have HIV, but there was a molecular trickery that was going on. This is the voice of Dr. Peter McCullough from a recent interview on the Joe Rogan experience extracted by the producers at the No Agenda show. I believe these mind sparks set a suitable foundation to catalyze our discussions tonight as we continue to investigate deeper into this tyrannical COVID bombshell. Are you sitting comfortably? You may find us at www.theothersideofthenews.com where you will see quick links to our independent Rumble and Telegram platforms, details for each show, which include links to our bios, show items, references, and selected research. As usual, there's a huge collection of information to read, watch, and listen to, most of which has been handpicked from independent sources. I urge you to study them and even download your own copies sooner than later, as the censorship robots work around the clock to rewrite our history in real time. During the last week, we have been swamped by another batch of remarkable events and headlines reported in the news. To discuss, validate, and present each topic in correct context could all too easily fill up the entire show by itself. As the other side of the news is not per se a typical news show, and in order to make the best use of our available airtime, we should plot a direct course to greet the rest of our team and kick off our discussions. Good evening, Kintia. Good evening, Aneta. Have you heard about the new French variant? It's called IHU, and when pronounced in an outrageous French accent, IHU, it literally sounds like a sneeze. I guess the French prefer <laughs> onomatopoeia to the Greek alphabet. Well, Are you I'm there? Sure Annetta may have heard of that. I haven't, <laughs> but oh my gosh, it would. I, I actually did, um, but my the what I heard was the uh, translate to "I hate you" uh, is a, another popular way to say it in English. Well, that also so, works. So, yeah. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Cynthia. <laughs> well, I was listening to your wonderful opening, Timothy, and I had to reflect that in the last four days, I've lost two dear friends to an unusual heart failure. And of course, they were both vaccinated. And I have another dear friend who's suffering, not because he's been vaccinated, but possibly because he's been exposed to those vaccinated so I'm not feeling very up at this moment. Um, yeah, I'm just taking a deep breath and knowing that eventually light will prevail, but we're walking through the valleys of the shadow of death. That's how I feel about it. That's what I'm seeing. So, Aneta? Yes, well, um, there's a lot that's happened. I, I, too, have I lost a friend yesterday. Uh, not to heart failure, but because it's a long and awful story. But uh, she was taken into a hospital because she temporarily lost consciousness while she was out of town and got locked in a hospital, and they they killed her essentially. And and I and I don't want to go further than that right now, but that's what happened. And a half hour before the show, uh, one of my dearest long-term friends uh, lost one of her very good friends uh, right before the show. 
And uh, again, these are all, well, the, the one person wasn't vaccinated, but the, uh, my other friend was. So uh, the count for me is, is getting close to 20. And I, it's not like a count I want to keep, but it's hard to not miss it. And it's also, I think that this is part of the crumbling narrative that we have, this disintegrating of this. Because uh, like this week, many people heard that um, insurance actuaries are starting to come out and say, um, what the real numbers are. And of course they have the real numbers because they're, they're the ones having to pay out. They're the ones that are knowing what's on the death certificate, when the date is and whether they're, they're jabbed or not. So, um, these are very real numbers. Uh, there was a CEO out of Indiana who started the ball rolling and said that it was more than 50%, uh, increase over last year. And now, uh, many others have stepped forward with, with, uh, much higher numbers, one being 67%, and I believe the other one was almost 79 And the only reason I can come up with in my mind, I don't know, I haven't researched it, but uh, is that maybe they have a different uh, demographic that they're marketing to, which would cause a difference like that. Or they may be in certain states that have higher levels of vaccination rate. That could also be. Whatever it is, uh, there's an awful lot of evidence coming forth about this that's um, very dis disheartening and very difficult and I've said it before and I'll say it again that we are in a war and there are casualties and people have been given a choice the weapon of choice and um, you know we're, we're in this place uh, I feel of course as a human bad badly very badly that this is happening um, but uh, this isn't unfortunately not too much of a surprise for anyone who's been tracking this and um but there's a reason for it, and I, I wanted to get into this because uh, it is, it's, it's very significant. There were two shows on, on the Joe Rogan show uh, this past week. One was Dr. Robert Malone, and, and one was Dr. Peter McCullough. There were a couple things that are very interesting about that because um, McCullough talked about mass formation psychosis, and it literally nearly broke the Internet with people doing research on it. Uh, what what that is that he was referring to. That's one thing. And another thing is, is that this show actually took us into a place of the mass media. One third of Americans actually listen to those shows. Uh, so it was very, uh, it, it was very significant in, in that that actually broke through uh, the, almost the echo chamber that we have uh, out here with the 30%. And I'll get into that 30% in a minute, but uh, you know, we have this this uh, situation here where we do have this mass formation psychosis. Before I go there, I wanted to say something because it has to do with the comments by Peter McCullough in Timothy's opening, that the emergency use authorization and the reason that we were given no other solutions, people need to be aware that that emergency use authorization was not uh, available uh, until... Unless there was no other solution, they had to wipe out all other solutions in order to get the uh, EUA on the vaccines, which are not vaccines, or you know, they're they're gene altering drugs. Let's not call let's not call that. That's that's not what that is. Uh, it is not a vaccine. The other thing is is that there's no money. Of course, there's no money in uh, generic drugs, and of course, there's no genocide. Most importantly, in the very well-known hydrochloroquine and ivermectin, no matter how much they tried to uh, discredit it, understanding that they had um, dosages that 
usually are between 400 and 600 milligrams. They had opening dosages of 2,400, and they kept going. And these were very sick elderly people, and they, they, they basically poisoned them so that they could discredit hydrochloroquine and ivermectin. So this is, um, this is stuff that you should know uh, going into this. Also, uh, the HIV um, hepatitis situation. The hepatitis stuff came out, I think it broke today, the news broke today, it might have been yesterday, it might be a day off, but um, that they are finding that people that have this are also testing positive for hepatitis C, not only HIV. Uh, this is not a mistake. These things are built in. We've been talking about this. Um, uh, I remember one our, our guest, um, Dr. Judy uh, Mikovits, was talking about this way back. Um, many of these things we've talked about on the show. So now all the evidence is coming forth. And so people, people think, well, you know, why is it that we can't uh, process this? What is the cognitive dissonance that's going on here? And, and why is it so hard to, for people to grasp this? When we've got the VAERS, and, that's the, and for, if you're new to this show, that's the VAERS is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. That is a FDA-CDC collaborative project, Harvard, and there's one other study I'm, I'm not remembering right now, but they say that the, the reporting is 1% to 5%. I will tell you that it's, it's going to be on the low end of this because people are in such denial. For example, all of these people that we had um, talked about just now with Cynthia and myself losing individuals, they have not been able to you know, their, their family and things, they're not, they're not able to admit that what's really going on. So, you know, the reporting is super low, but let's just say that the reporting is uh, happening and, and give it its 1%. We've had, as of today, because they change every Friday, 1,227 reports of adverse reactions. Um, we've had 35,650 permanent disabilities. You can add two zeros to each of these numbers and get a more realistic one. We've had um, let's see, uh, 21,002 people die. This is on a report that's probably getting about 1%. So this could explain why the insurance actuaries are saying what they're doing. So we go back to this idea of how psychologically this can happen to a group of people. And Dr. Mateus Desmond wrote a really interesting uh, paper. He has degrees in psychology and statistics. So he's a very, it's a very interesting combination. And um, there's a, a, a very strong phenomenon that 20 to 30% of the population become entranced with a noble lie. I'm going to define that in a second, but it's a, it's a dominant narrative out there. So that's the noble lie, the dominant narrative. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight, but let's define what that is. That's a myth or an untruth knowingly propagated uh, to maintain harmony or advance an agenda. I think we're at the second one here. Uh, both propagated and enforced by politicians, scientists, bureaucrats, pharma, and legacy media. Does this sound familiar? This is the definition here. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a mass hypnosis that occurs. And in, in case you're not clear what that actually means, Hypnosis is the ability to focus the mind so narrowly and so singularly that it doesn't, it's not aware of everything else going on around it. So this is how they can actually hypnotize people and, and do surgery on them with no anesthesia. 
and literally cut into them without them being aware of it. That's how powerful your mind is if it's focused like that. It's incredible. So um, we observe that a large portion of the population is unable to produce, uh, to, to process, sorry, to process data or facts, new data or facts that are in conflict with the noble lie. So this is what we're seeing. Is you, you've got all this stuff out there. You have people still wearing masks, but anyone who can do, I don't know what, what level math, uh, something very early on, uh, it can figure out that uh, a, a one micron is smaller than 80 microns, which is the pore size of the mask on the average uh, surgical mask. So not to mention all the gaps around it. You know, this doesn't, none of this stuff is making sense, but we ask ourselves, and if you're not in that group, you know, what is it? How come you can't process it? And, and this, is, this is the reason. So no matter what the data shows you, no matter how much common sense there is, you're unable to recognize the lies. And it actively attacks anyone. Uh, they, they actively will attack anyone who has the temerity to contradict the narrative. That would be like our radio show and most likely a lot of you listening. Um, if this is difficult, you may be of the, the mass hypnosis people, but I doubt that you'd be listening to the show. So um, anyway, we're always, we're always looking. You know, you should always be looking to both sides of an argument. Uh, I know that when I was in debate teams, you, you, you need to know your, your opposite, your, your opponent's uh, argument better than your own. In order to win a debate, you've got to, to be able to argue the opponent's argument better than you can your own. That's how you win a debate. So this is what we're looking at here. So these people are not able to, uh, they, they can't defend an argument, they can't do anything, their mind is completely shut off. And that's, that's what we're looking at here. Um, it's a, it causes, it's a source of deep angst it causes sorrow and pain for them. So this is very serious. It's not, you know, it's, it's just a, a psychological condition. Um, so I have a lot more to go, but I do want to have my co-host kind of chime in here uh, and comment on this because I'm sure they have comments. <laughs> no, I'd like to jump in. So yeah. um, I was, uh, first of all, let me just say, I've said this before. Previously, I was a Democrat. I live in California. My parents were Democrats. Well, my mom was. I grew up with my mom. And all my friends were Democrats. And so I'm listening to KQED, which is the public education radio. And there were two different shows. And they were talking about the January 6th event last year. And they were talking about how the Republicans were creating their own channels so that they could control the narrative. And uh, they started using phrases like um, that on referring to that the information they were putting out was disinformation, medical disinformation, and they were refusing to have their medical disinformation policed in other words, censored, but of course not, they're not saying the word censored. And they're going on and on, and they're using this language to suggest that, oh, this is quite normal, and this other side that doesn't want to be censored is not normal. And I just got so disgusted, and I always loved KQED. It was one of my favorite stations. I just had to turn it off, not because I'm a Republican. I am not a Republican. Please bear in mind. But when I hear this cover-up about the censorship 
and the misleading lies about the medical information. And then I have dear friends of mine dying because they bought this cover-up scenario. It just angers me. And I had to, I just had to turn it off. And it's like, oh, there's nothing you can listen to except maybe some good music, whatever that is for you personally. But all the garbage between, all the talking, I just like tune it out. So that's what I wanted to add. Timothy, are you there, or do you have a comment? Yeah, I've I've just been playing around with my cables a little bit uh, because <laughs> <laughs> I can hear you, mm. and I believe you can hear me, which is important. But in between all of that, I had I did restart my my laptop at one point, but I'm sure that's not the most interesting point. So first of all, I want to say to both of you, I'm very sorry for your losses. Um, that's Thank that's you. clearly not not a, a good vibe to start the new year in um, for you, all the families around the people who have passed away. And, uh, you know, the more we, we, we go through this journey, this COVID journey, the, the more, you know, it, it bizarre it is because we just, again, it, it highlights these uh, black and white uh, opinions about, you know, the vaccines are here to help us to protect us and uh, on the other hand you know from the lot of the research we've been uncovering the vaccines are actually harming people um and this it, it's hard to believe that we're this far into this this pandemic and you know people are dying people are losing their lives people are becoming sick you know they're, they're going down with uh, myocarditis they're going down with all sorts of effects from these, uh, these these experimental injections, because none of them are uh, approved outside of uh, emergency use, and yet, you know, as as you've been clearly pointing out for the last few minutes, it, it's it, it must be mass uh, formation psychosis. I mean, what else would you know describe? what we're going through, because how is it that so many people can literally be so convinced that the vaccines are here to help us, and yet there's also a, a group of us, a growing group of us, which I am totally on the other side of the coin. It, it's this, this mass psychosis, mass formation and psychosis, it, it just seems to be the most robust theory that describes what's going on at the moment. Um, which leads me on to one of the points that I mentioned in the opening, which was uh, Dr. Robert Malone, uh, when he did appear on the, uh, the the Rogan Experience recently. You know, he, he outlaid his 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 points in a, in a sort of very nice, relaxed uh, conversation with Joe Rogan. It was you know more than three hours long, the interview, and he also made subsequent appearances uh, on media, as I mentioned. Uh, but during this this long interview, he did tackle this this mass formation theory, and I believe, and this is this this is basically the, the the grounds of my suspicions or some of the grounds of my suspicions, is that he directly related the mass formation psychosis to Nazi Germany, and he cut a very big shortcut across. The work that um, Dr. Matthias Desmond made from Ghent University, and and I think that he would be an excellent guest 
if we could ever um, break through the, the, the layers of tape, and I know he's become a very busy man at the moment, but I think he would be a, a guest I'd like to put on my wish list for 2022 for sure. So the reason why I am suspicious, and this is I, the reason I'm, I'm slightly hesitant, is because we're coming up on a break fairly soon, and it, it's a subject that needs a little bit of description, is because if he were to be that Sir Dr. Robert Malone, if he was to be a um, controlled opposition member, uh, I did lay out that he co-wrote a book with a CIA member. He also was a significant discoverer in some of the mRNA technology, or claims to be. And as a result, does he actually get royalties? Um, nobody talks about that part. So I may be completely wrong on this. But on the other hand, let's just say, for example, he is planted in. Uh, he is put there for us to, or some of us, to think of as a light in the dark. And then at a certain point, he makes a, a U-turn. Then that would cut a lot of the, uh, can we say, the truth seekers off from their reference point. As I say, this is a longer point, so I'm going to pause here. And we're going to go to break. You're listening to The Other Side of the News. And the title of this show is The Deteriorating Narrative. And this is Timothy Saunders, co-hosting with Kintia and Annette Driscoll. We'll be back after the break. Just remember the virus that they say that is making everybody sick. Nowhere in the world, not one country, not one institution, not the CDC, Nobody has this virus that's making us sick on file. It does not exist. All the Freedom of Information Acts are empty over and over again. The virus nowhere exists. So if that is correct, and that's what they're telling us, how in the world can they be testing for it? How in the world can they be making this kind of injection to put in us to save us from this? So we need to start asking the obvious questions because by science and medicine, that makes no sense. I've never heard of that before. Were we able to purchase all those? And this was supposed to be a novel infection. You start looking at the big picture, you start looking at everything, you'll find this is actually a planned pandemic. This is not actually what they're telling us in the media. So then you have to ask the bigger question, why? So we have to look closely into this and what's very concerning is that none of the manufacturers or our governments will allow any of us to analyze the vials. It's illegal for us to analyze them. They won't let us look in there. Well, why? If there's nothing to hide, why can't we see what's inside these vials? Because right now we have no proof that this virus even exists. What made people sick around the world, in my opinion, is many different things. And they used a testing mechanism that was faulty and that could cross-react with anything. It could literally cross-react with bacteria, with other flus, with other colds, false positives. So that's meaningless. So there's no proof of this supposed 
you know, bad, weird virus affecting everybody. This is Dr. Carrie Made on the other side of the news. And I'm excited to be here because we have freedom of speech and no censorship. And welcome back to the other side of the news. We're now broadcasting on our new blog talk channel, blogtalkradio.com forward slash T-O-S-N. And tonight, co-hosting are Annette Driscoll, Timothy Saunders, and myself, Kinthea. The show is called The Deteriorating Narrative. And I just wanted to pop in here with a little observation I had. I was going to the grocery store, and you know when you stand in the grocery store line, you see all these tabloids. And you, you think, oh, you know, they're just fake. It's just about the celebrities. But the point is, they're like the billboard when you're driving down the freeway. You keep seeing it, you keep seeing it, you keep seeing it, you keep seeing it. And I was really surprised. It was, oh, a month ago I had seen one tabloid that was making a remark about Biden. And I thought, whoa, something's coming out. I hadn't seen that before. So now this time there were actually two of those tabloids. One was the Inquirer and one was the Globe. And on the Inquirer, big front picture of Biden, and it says, proof, Biden is a crook. And I thought, wow, that's pretty dramatic to be coming out, even if it is a schlocky tabloid. It's like a billboard driving down the freeway. And the other one was the Globe, and it has a picture of Epstein and Clinton, and it says, smoking gun found, Epstein and Clinton. So I'm just thinking here, drip, 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 drip. They're putting in the narrative that is not in harmony with what the people in power are trying to give us. They are presenting this alternate view that even if a lot of people don't agree with it, they are seeing it. They are seeing it there over and over and over again. And it's like they say in advertising, once you see it seven times, you start to believe it. So it's this slowly changing the narrative that it would be so bold out there in big, bold, yellow letters against black. I mean, like flashing neon. And I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty bold. I wouldn't have expected that, but there it is. So I'm just sharing that. I don't know how it is where you live, what you're seeing when you're standing in the grocery line, but I was really surprised. Okay, I want to turn it back to either of you. Well, may I just come in very quickly? Uh, I think one of the, the things that I mentioned again in the opening is the, the movie Don't Look Up. There was a lot of hype about it, and it had a, a fairly well-cast uh, movie. It was quite, I watched it. It was quite entertaining, I have to say. But I, I was surprised to hear a lot of people saying, oh, it's all about climate change. It's all about uh, global warming and so on and so on. And... Apart from the fact that Leonardo DiCaprio opened a speech some years ago at one of these, uh, you know, carbon-sensitive uh, world global meetings, I did not really think it was a lot about uh, global warming or climate change, I have to say. Did, do you have any comments? Did you see it? Did you hear anything about it? I have not no, seen I it. I didn't. Anetta? No, I have not seen it, so... 
<laughs> well, it, it, I, I think it's purely a parody. Um, I think it's, it's a reflection of uh, humanity, not, not a global one, but certainly sort of a very Americanized reflection of, say, Western, the Western world. Um, I'm not going to give any spoilers for those people that you know wish wish to see it, but uh, I would say that it, it it was, in my opinion, wh whoever is behind this, and I say whoever, like it's, I'm pointing at a, a you know a boardroom of people, and I think that all of these movies do go through a, a selection process and an editing process. I mean, you know, certain movies are allowed out at certain times; other ones are cancelled. Um, at a certain time, some are, are, are tampered, or excuse me, tampered, some are, are fine-tuned. So there is de most definitely, uh, you know, part of a strategy, a strategy, a release of information to humanity, uh, Hollywood. We've had Jordan Maxwell on before talking about the magician's staff is, is made of holly and Hollywood and so on. Okay, we can go into that a lot more or less. But in my opinion, this movie, The Don't Look Up, seems to be laughing at humanity it, it's sort of it's almost saying look what we've made you do look how ridiculous we've made humanity look um so maybe with that with that uh those words maybe you'll you'll spend invest two hours of your life and watch it sometime let me know what you think next time but um other other seeds planted, Kintia, to, to go on with your your point. I think you're absolutely right. It's not just you know uh, tabloids and um, you know it, it's all media is it, guiding us. Uh, there was uh, a documentary I saw fairly recently where a, a, a guy and actually a, a hypnotist, a UK, British hypnotist, made a, a film. Uh, I'll see if I can dig out the title at some point. But yeah, he was just saying that everyone thinks they have a, a free make free decisions in life. But I mean when you analyze the options that are presented to us, you know, conscious and subconscious, you know, even walking down in the aisle of a supermarket you, you mentioned earlier, uh, the, the amount of coercion, the amount of um, guidance which is, which is going on, which is not perhaps uh, immediately in, in our awareness, is substantial. And at the end of the day, it, it really is amazing how many free choices we actually do make in a day. And I, I think that that's, you know, reflected again and again in all other types of movies. For example, um, one, of, one of the points I was, was making earlier, I was doing some research earlier on uh, the ancient Sumeria, uh, because I live in Turkey, there's a lot of ancient archaeology to go and see. I think it's fun to go and track some of it down. There's less of the Sumerian uh, variety where I am, but there's um, a lot of ancient archaeology to be seen on sort of mountain tops and cliff tops and so on, and you take trails. So I just started digging it recently over the New Year period, and I was thinking, well, okay, it'd be quite fun to dig into some uh, research into ancient Sumer and uh, look into some more of this sort of Anunnaki story and so on. And I thought at some point in history, there must be some movie made, uh, which, you know, whether it's whether it's totally fictional or, or factual, you know, it may be fun just to sort of kick back and relax and just watch somebody else's version of what they think this is all about. Uh, but it's amazing how many movies there are not 
on the internet and I looked further into it. In fact, there were even box office movies planned, blockbuster movies planned with sort of big cast again, fairly recently, even like uh, even two, three years ago. And again, they were canceled. Mm. Um, so I don't know if this is a cover up, but it's amazing how little information there exists about Anunnaki in popular culture or even in alternative uh, independent platforms. There are, of course, a lot of seminars and lectures to look into, um, but, but almost nothing in terms of entertainment. Um, so that's that. And then we look at other movies like the, the latest Bond movie. Again, over the Christmas New Year period, I was uh, catching up on a few movies. I watched the latest Bond movie. Now it's all about a, a, a man-made bioweapon, uh, which was can be introduced in the form of an injection, I believe. Uh, or, and the bioweapon itself can be tailored exactly to reach and kill one particular victim. Now, that, that means it can be injected into one person, the other, that person can come into hand contact with another and another. And through a whole chain of handshakes, uh, the bioweapon can ultimately end up at its target destination and knock that target destination out. And again, this is totally fiction in a movie, but if we think back when it was planned to be released, that movie, the Bond movie was originally planned to be released, I think it was the end of 2019, early 2020, and it was delayed due to COVID. Well, you can imagine what kind of a scare that would have brought out with uh, <laughs> the rest of the, the pandemic narrative coming out. So, yes, Kintia, I think that we are all susceptible to um, subliminal messaging and obviously complete and utterly overt messaging as well. Mm -hmm. Seems like oh. a hall of mirrors. You just They keep reflecting each other and then the people, your friends who are being affected, then they're echoing it and it just echoes and echoes and echoes and it's, you, there's the assumption that, well, because they keep repeating it, it must be true. And, um, well, hopefully we're going to see more of a, the opposite side breaking through. I think that this is why the, the uh, I'll call them the white hats. I, I don't want to limit it to just Trump followers or Republicans because I'm neither of those things. But I certainly am, uh, certainly want to break out of the narrative of the, the, the common narrative. And so I'm grateful that they're starting to be mediums like Telegram. That's why we now have a Telegram channel. And you'll find that listed on uh, the other side of the news right now. It's a temporary page till our site is fully built. But we are making steps to be more and more in environments that we will not be censored and that we can tell the truth as we see it and be forthright. And we need more of those platforms. And the more people that exit from the controlled mass media, that sends a big message. So, yes, let's get out too. of the Hall of Mirrors. Go ahead, Anetta. Yeah, I wanted to say about about the movies being canceled or the movies being scheduled to have certain release dates and being scary. I, you know, I'm a big uh, a big one on reading the paperwork, the documents of the. Uh, I don't want to call them, you know, what the 
the weak-minded puppets, okay, like Timothy says. I mean, they're certainly not the elite. You know? and, uh, but anyway, uh, they, they do publish all their, their crap, and they, they let us all know because that's part of their, um, their pact. They're, this is a religion, remember. Uh, it's a cult religion, and they have an agreement that they have to disclose their stuff before they do it. So they do. And this agenda that we're on uh, was based on a timeline that was affected by uh, several things. One is it's, it's based on the uh, heavenly bodies above us. In other words, the stars, they are big into that. Uh, it's big in their numerology, symbology, and all that. They follow certain things. The other thing that they do is that they had this timeline that was based, that had to come out at certain times. They had a plan and it, it involved Hitlery, okay? And she was supposed to come in at no, at no matter what. And they didn't have a plan B. So when that plan got thrown off, because there was, and I wanted to bring this up later, but I'll start right now. There was this plan. And the plan involved, uh, you know, it, it all ultimately is about the crashing of the whole monetary system. I, I'll, I'll give you a spoiler, you know, spoiler right here. This is, you know, ultimately all this leads to the control of the planet and the money controls the planet. And you can have a whole slave society if you control all of that. And that's what this is. The Great Reset is about that, about grasping that control. So that plan, the Great Reset, or whatever you'd like to call it, Agenda 2021 or whatever, it had a timeline. If you look at that timeline, what happened here is they didn't get their war to cover up. Because the war could cover up a, a, a multitude of sins. It could cover up the supply chain. It could cover up the crashing of stock markets and bonds going belly up, you know, they were going to have a, they're going to lock us down. You know, their plan was to lock us down for between eight and 10 years to the point that when they didn't, when they finally um, released their vaccine, as, as they like to call it, that we would be clamoring and desperate and there would be so much suicide and, uh, you know, we would just be demolished uh, by the time we got there. So by, messing up this timeline and releasing um, things when they were released, it, it really messes up that timeline. And this may well have to do with the movies too. So those movies may have been getting us softened up to the idea that this could be a possibility. And then things didn't quite go to plan. I mean, that's just an idea, but as Timothy was saying that that's what was occurring to me. So just completely off the cuff here. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I also wanted to get back to this. I, I'm really fascinated with this mass uh, psychosis. Uh, this, you know, the, the mass formation of it. So people wonder how it gets, how how it happens, right? And how it happens. The first thing that happens, and tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. The first part of it is you become disconnected. So you disconnect from things that are your connection points. That would be like your family, your nuclear family, your extended family, um, independent religions. Uh, you, they'd like to disconnect culturally so that all the values that come with that, uh, the values of, of morality and the values of the culture all have been systematically dismantled since the 1950s in, in here. And so there's this big problem because we've got that going on. Then we add in the technology, which has further disconnected people because the technology is like this, this bridge too far. I mean, they, people think they're connected, but they aren't really. We all know that. And we know that there's this huge problem with this. And then you add on two years of lockdown and all of this 
uh, fear of each other, fear of, of giving someone a hug, fear of, uh, you know, the people's businesses uh, failing, losing homes, all of that, all this destabilization, literally Maslow's hierarchy of needs is decimated from this. And uh, so we have all that, plus the media feeding, feeding you this garbage that says, oh, we're, you know, humans divide themselves up by race and sex and politics and stuff. Well, no, not really. Uh, that's what we've been told. And um, I could go into that, but you know, I'm so sick of this racist garbage. I mean, come on, everything's racist. And the only thing I have to say to anybody who says this to me, which I have had some people say, it's like, well, please explain that to me. Please explain how I'm racist. Please explain why that's racist. And there's always dead silence, just so you know. You can try it. Uh, but uh, anyway, that, that's all going on. And then they have no sense of the second, the second factor is to have no sense of purpose. And when you have no sense of purpose, you're, you're kind of floundering out there. And most people, 60%, uh, so more than, you know, the majority here, have jobs that have no fulfillment. And they're not in, they're not in units that, that make them feel like they have a grounding and stuff. So this is not, this was, this has been systematically exercised against us on the planet. This, what, this is what has to do with the um, trying to make it all one world and not have cultural differences. Cultural differences aren't differences as in uh, to divide people. Cultural differences are interesting. That's why we travel around the world to go look at other cultures. Think about it, right? So then we have, and then here's a huge one. The next factor in this to create this uh, mass formation psychosis is untethered anxiety. And, and that's, you know, people don't know why. In other words, I don't know why I feel anxious. I just feel anxious. Oh, my God. I feel so, I mean, like, oh, la, la, la. You know, they don't know, right? Uh, normally, when you have that, when you have some anxiety, you go into fight, flight, or freeze. And then in a, in a world that was before we were around, you would go into that. Something would be threatening you. And then it would stop, and that would all drop down. But in this, in this thing, because we have these first two things eroded completely out from underneath us, there's no end to the non-connections. This gives us a lot of anxiety. So when you add all that together, then you, you have a leader that comes in that says, hey, I here's the problem. I've got the solution. This would look like Dr. Fraudchi or some of the other things we see. In history, we can think back and think of like Lenin and Stalin, Mao, um, let's say Hitler, Mussolini. And I would even go so far as to say Roosevelt in this country um, uh, Churchill in the uh, UK. There, the, these people weren't good. If if you if you do your homework and do your research, you'll find out that they were not on the uh, people team. Okay, so um, it, this has been going on a long time, and they're just doing it on on steroids right now. And it's planetary. The world wars were were big. This is even bigger because not everybody was in World War II, but everybody. All there's around 209 nations, depending on how you list it, and every single one of them has been affected by this. So that's how they suck you in. So everybody goes along, and they get under this, uh, they, you know, they, they're unable to think for themselves. They, they all get onto this. They are unable to think, and they all start to take part. And then under that spell, uh, they will support a totalitarian government structure capable of otherwise unthinkable atrocities. So this... Um, you know, what we couldn't have imagined two years ago, now we're experiencing all the time. And it's almost, quote, normalized, not for everybody, but for the people in this group, it is normal. They don't even think about like the whole masking thing, which is an, a well-known MK Ultra mind programming 
uh, deal. That's why they used it on slaves. It's dehumanizing. It lowers your self-esteem. You don't speak. You, you lose your emotional connection to yourself and other people. This is really serious, not to mention all the health issues. So we've got all that going on. So, um, here's what happens. Even when the narrative starts to fall apart and you get a lot of cracks, um, in the strategy that it's clearly not solving the problem. This is exactly where we are right now in this process. Um, uh, in this case, uh, as with many fictitious problems that we've seen in the past, they, they create these fictitious problems. And of course the narrative starts to fall apart and there's no solution, but the hypnotized crowd cannot break through this narrative. They, um, they're being controlled by mass formation. They're no longer able to use reason to break free of this group narrative. And again, this is getting back to the psychological point where they're just not uh, able to take on any idea that goes against what they've been hypnotized or mass um, psychosis into. So uh, we have, you know, we have the, a great example like Timothy brought up in that um, from the interview, we have the Holocaust Germany. You can shortcut because everybody knows what that is. And um, what's interesting about that is the same thing here. Who, who was the most likely to go along with it? The highly educated went along. They're the easiest. And we've talked about this on the show before, why, the, why this is in general. It doesn't mean every highly educated person does go along, but it's easier in general. Um, they have fear and brainwashing, and it's very dehumanizing. So these quote, leaders, or what I call these installed puppets, um, like Trudeau. Everyone knows he wasn't, he wasn't elected. Um, so he calls the unvaxxed racist and misogynistic extremists. That's a really, <laughs> that's really interesting. I mean, does he even know what he's saying? Is he that moronic? Maybe. Maybe he got the Omicron. I don't know. But it's, uh, it's really interesting. They, and you know how they talked about the unclean Jews and they were talking about a moral and physical cleanliness. They weren't just talking about one or the other. So that's what we see going on. And I, I, have, I have more on this, but I know um, we're coming soon up on a break. And I know that probably Timothy has something to say, because he usually does. Timothy? Hi. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. deeply going through my notes at the moment. Uh, you're covering so many points so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just wanted to, I think that we know we, we, we're going in a certain direction on this show. We have a certain amount of material to go through. And mm -hmm. I just, just before we forget, before we detach too far away from it, I think it'd be quite fun to go back to um, the reference to Ghislaine Maxwell. Uh, because mm. that was, uh, that, that was a, a result this week. I heard that she was sentenced to... Uh, 65 years, I think it is, is it 65 years sentence? And mm -hmm. also, strangely, all of the uh, material and evidence and uh, files have also been locked up and kept perfect secret for, mm -hmm. is, is it the same amount of time? Is it 65 years? Mm -hmm. Yeah, something like that. And what's interesting yeah. there, too, is I think they're pushing for a mistrial because now they're saying that the jury wasn't okay. You know, like, you knew that this was going to, they were going to try something, but you know, I, I just can't help. I mean, maybe it's the conspiratorial orientation that I have, but uh, I think there's other stuff going on here. I mean, there's several ways to read that and some of it may be to our advantage. Uh, and I mean, we, we got, it would take more than 
the little bit of time we have before the break to go into that. But you know that she has another trial in the, um, you know, it's somewhere in the Caribbean islands. I'm trying to think I don't have that right in front of me, but that's starting uh, immediately upon the uh, sentencing of this trial. She goes into another trial uh, in the uh, Caribbean. So, well, I just I have to say it makes me really mad that they're going to lock up that information. It's like locking up the information about the vaccines. It's just like, how are they getting away with it? It just pisses me off there. Because we have a completely corrupt court system. I mean, it's it's totally compromised. And that, that same court system is the, the foxes that are guarding the hen house. Those same judges are the ones that are would be, you know, listed. But don't worry. Don't worry, because John Durham's still out there with his over 200,000 indictments. That's indictments from ground juries that's still sitting there. Believe me, it's not over till the fat lady sings and she's far from it. So, you know, and it's a worldwide thing. Remember that Prince Andrew, by the way, Prince Andrew's stuff isn't, they're going after him. They're there. He's the sacrificial lamb at the moment. So, yeah. That's true. Yeah, I, I I saw a cartoon that did bring a, a smile to my face the other day. You know, the I have to go back a few years. The Love Is cartoons, and uh, then there was like Love Is dot dot dot, and then there was a comment that sort of brought a smile, usually with like two figures. I saw a cartoon with uh, um, Epstein and Gisling, sorry Gilling, uh, together, and the comment was Love Is dot dot dot, finishing each other each other's sentences. And I thought that was quite apt, really, but uh, not not the most uh, appropriate, maybe right now. But it did bring a smile to my face. But yeah, sure, this is, you know, they literally are getting away with murder. It's amazing where that that comment comes from, um, and a lot more. So, well, what, why the secrecy? I mean, surely, if if bringing justice to these people, to the public, to the victims, to the families, then why on earth would you want to cover it up? Unless, of course, it would implicate an awful lot of other people and also people in high places, of course. Yes, well, that would be the reason, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, but, you know, I think we're going to see it. I, I don't, I'm, uh, I'm very optimistic about it. And there's a whole bunch of theories on this, but uh, I don't think it's over yet. Not even close. So that's where I'm going to stay with that. Well, um, what, we so, are, what we are close to is the break. Would you like to take us out, Vanessa? <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. So you have been listening to The Other Side of the News. Uh, tonight's show is The Deteriorating Narrative, and it is with my co-host, uh, Timothy Saunders, and Kinthea, and myself, Anetta. And we will return shortly after the break. Seventy-two vaccines. Your children will get, um, as of right now, before they're eighteen, and that number is doubling very quickly in the near future. And guys, the thing that bothered me so much is I had no idea back then in '98 that there were a lot of people talking about vaccines. But what I know now, and what I learned in 2010, and your listeners have to understand this: in 2010, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. And let me say that again. Um, 2010, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. This should be very eye-opening to anybody out there 
because what they're telling you that now is if you vaccinate your children, you have to deal with the consequences because they just told you that all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. And more to that now, in 2018, Robert Kennedy Jr. and Dale Bigtree put in the Health and Freedom of Information Act to have the safety studies released, okay? If your listeners don't know this, in 1986, Ronald Reagan passed the Vaccine Injury Act, which said the vaccine companies are exempt of any and all liability. But Reagan said, look, if we're gonna give them blanket liability, we've got to at least make them do safety studies every other year. Not every year, but every other year. So they sued to have those safety studies released. And we've always heard that vaccines are safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. But when they got the report back, it was 100% empty. Uh Not one single safety study has been done on any of the vaccines since 1986. This should be very, very, very disturbing to all you guys. And that's what began to wake me up as far as vaccines were my children back in 98 when the medical doctors couldn't give me the safety studies. Guys, this is Christopher Key. Never forget it. It's Christ Ofer. Christ is in me. He's in my name. Never forget my last name. It's Key, K-E-Y. God's given us the keys to unlock the doors that Satan never wanted unlocked, and we do it for our children. I so enjoyed the show tonight. The other side of the news is beyond fabulous. Listening to the other side of the news, I'm Timothy Saunders, and together with Annette Driscoll and Kintia, we are hosting tonight's show, which is entitled The Deteriorating Narrative. Now, Annette, you want to go to a point before uh, we go on to the next subject? Yes, I do. So I wanted to finish up with this idea of mass formation psychosis, because I think it's really interesting. So The question, and we've brought this up on the show many times, what is it that makes uh, some of us not conform or not think that way? And the answer is, da-da-da, we don't know. (laughs) We don't know exactly what it is, but we do know that about 30% of the population will fight against the narrative, and they are not brainwashable. Um, So this is is just something that we know about humans. we we know that they are more individualistic and they are not swayed by groupthink. By the way, groupthink is not the same thing as what we have going on here because groupthink can actually uh, be countered with facts and figures and they can actually hear it. They have to go through the mass psychosis bit to not be able to hear any, any uh, reality. So, so what we know is that 30% of the population is brainwashed, hypnotized, indoctrinated, um, whatever you'd like to say about that about with this group narrative. About 40%, interestingly enough, this is, this is really actually the critical group, about 40% of the population 
is in the middle and they are persuadable and they may follow um, if there's no worthy alternative that's, that's perceived by them. So that's why it's so important to talk to people and to keep going with this because those 40% are actually, they're going to go one way or the other eventually and you don't really want them to um, go into the wrong direction. And then the 30%, as we know, and most likely everyone who's listening to this is probably in that group, is the fight against the narrative. And they, um, they just won't have it. So the real danger is if they create a bigger problem. So you've already got a really hypnotized group, and, it, and they can go in and create an even larger problem, uh, another you know, uh, problem, oh, we have the solution. So that's what we have to really be on guard for. Um, so the question here becomes, like, what can we do as being in that 30% that are not uh, in, that, in, in the brainwashed portion or the kind of don't know where they are portion, um, is the biggest thing we can do is speak the truth in love. And it doesn't matter if you look at it from a biblical perspective, because that's what it says, or just a, a working rational perspective. It, it doesn't work to come at them without that. And I've talked about this a lot before, uh, just because it's a, something we can all do. And, and that is, is to ask questions. Uh, so, you know, did you notice, or are you aware or things like that? Trying to come at it from a gentler place, because as we know, if we, if we butt heads, they're not going to listen. These people are already really under the spell. And, um, so another thing that we need to do is bring them into, um, you know, building closeness, togetherness, and, and shared values. This is something that the cabal has eroded out from underneath all of our cultures and, uh, and something we can actually create together. And, um, you know, don't show them violence. Um, that's another thing, you know, show them love, not violence. Violence doesn't work uh, in this case. Not, not to say that I don't have constantly violent thoughts. Uh, <laughs> I do. I, I have, I have fantasies about these really baddies, but you know, the baddies aren't the people we're looking at. The, the people that are, are committing these crimes against humanity, et cetera, aren't who I'm talking about. I'm talking about people. We, the people that have been sucked into the wrong, wrong narrative that they can't see, um, the facts. And then the biggest thing is to show people a new path forward. Because they don't want to stay where they were. That's painful. And so showing a new path, a new vision, a new way of being. And um, I'm not going to get into it right now, but I, I'd like to it, probably in a future show to talk about that whole idea of what, what we could expect to be creating. Um, if we take the baddies out of the circumstance, what do we have left and what do we need to build and what do we want to build? So that's, that's all part of it. But Here's the thing. Remember at the beginning of this, I said that you can be the whole reason that they have the control is this, and they create the slave system is because of the money. And unfortunately, or fortunately, because it's actually fixable, it all goes back to the money. And if you ever want to figure out the truth, you just follow the money. But right now, we're under a fiat money system around the world. It's all controlled by centralized banking systems. And Fiat money is it's it's built on theft and lies and deceit. It's inflation is built in, which is actually the devaluation of the currency, which you know, this idea of inflation has always driven me nuts because it's not inflation, it's devaluation of your purchasing power with whatever you're using. And these 
notes, like in the United States, we have the U.S. dollar. Well, that's not a U.S. dollar. That is not a constitutional U.S. dollar. I call them FRNs. They're Federal Reserve notes. They're they're a debt instrument. And so we're, we're, we're exchanging debt instruments to pay debt. Does that work? No, it can't work. And that's this whole system is completely false and fraudulent. But as long as it was tied to the gold standard, things kind of went okay. All right. So, but in the 70s, when we left the gold standard, there was some really interesting stuff that happened. We had a huge spike in a divorce because one of the biggest uh, issues that people have in relationships is financial. And the, the whole thing that causes when you have this devaluation and you lose purchasing power and you have to work harder and harder to have less and less, this is a big problem. Obesity went sky high from this incarceration. People actually, the, the levels of incarceration went much higher. Suicide went higher. And of course, there's the old favorite, poverty. So when you unlatch the fiat currencies from a, a solid currency, uh, a so, uh, like a, hmm, what I want to say, uh, substance. You know, you, you have paper or substance, and substance would look like, uh, you know, a precious metal or something. But it's it's really interesting because right now the government has unlimited ability to print money that devaluates devalues the currency, whatever you have. But also that same ability to print this uh, money in an unlimited fashion, they can use this to uh, propagate uh, lies against the people and control the people. So the people are suffering from both directions. Their money's worth less and less. They're having a harder and harder time. More of this erosion of society occurs because of that. And then the government uses all of that against them and has endless amounts of money to promote all the propaganda they want. So the, the thing that fixes this is sound money. And sound money, we have this very interesting thing, which I want to talk about uh, what's going on right now currently in the world, because we have, for the first time, we have alternatives. In the Depression, when the Depression hit, remember, they took away all the silver and gold from people, uh, and especially the gold. <laughs> and uh, there was no such thing as, as a crypto so the people didn't have another choice to go to. They were actually forced into this um, this uh, way of, of control from the central banks that took over. And it, by the way, in, in case you know we're not clear here, it is absolutely unconstitutional. Every bit of this, the IRS is a collection arm of the central bank. It is not a U.S. Uh, government thing and the, and their money that's paid in those taxes does not go to, to fix a single pothole or any other thing that they've told you. No, nope, it goes to pay interest to the centralized bank that created money out of fractional reserve banking out of thin air so that we can get loans, something that was made out of thin air because they, they appointed themselves the king and gods of this. Okay, so this is why we, that's why it's unconstitutional. Our founding fathers knew this. And this is the third central banking system we've had. So I wanted to, to bring this up because it really has to do with what's going on currently in the world. And one of the most interesting situations we have right now happens to be in Turkey. And as you know, Timothy lives in Turkey. So we want to talk, or he wants to talk, about what's going on there and uh, how this is working. So Timothy, it's all yours. Well, thank you. 
And I think we can all see that not only divorce is on the up and obesity is on the up, but also people are more stressed. There's more use of uh, antidepressants. There's a, there's a, there's a malaise that there's a definite mood of, of depression, which has overshadowed many different nations, many different cultures, uh, which I think is also uh, you know, partly responsible for what's happening. But it's, it's also not, not, not the cause. It's, it's obviously a symptom to, to other problems. And I think that you know, the, the, the money system is also part of this as well. So, so yes, I would say that the, the, the country here it has, has, been, has had a, a pretty gray cloud over it for quite some time. People are, are depressed and then people do tend to look for escape. Um, you know, some people turn to alcohol, some people turn to drugs, some people turn to you know, sport and so on and so on. And other people become fanatical about uh, whatever it is, whether it's you know, social media or, or something. But people like to escape. When they escape, they're in this little bubble, which again further segregates them. Um, from society, from the family unit. You know, when I was growing up, I remember that people used to say in the UK that you know there were you know, the average family was a uh, mother, a father, and 2.4 kids, and a, and a car, and blah blah blah, whatever it was. I mean, there was like a sort of a defined um, statistical uh, uh, answer to to what most people were in the UK at the time. But I think that if you did that now, it would be very very different indeed, and uh, not just the UK. It's it's, it's you know, global, I guess. Um, so to, to give you some context in terms of the, the financial system here, when I first worked on my first project, that was, uh, that was to say I was visiting Turkey, uh, that was back in 2004, um, the UK pound, I'm going to use the pound, I mean the pound and the dollar have been yeah, fairly synchronized for some time. So. At the moment, there's uh, one pound is uh, one UK pound is about 1.35, 1.34 dollars, something along those lines. And you know there have been ups and downs, but they are tied. I mean that they're part of the uh, fiat system, and, and people, you know, whether we see it on the news or not, uh, people manipulate currencies uh, to their advantage. And uh, I don't I mean people, but I mean you know, specific people and organizations manipulate currencies and the fiat group is all part of that, which uh, grew out of uh, disconnecting from the gold standards, as you say, go back in the 70s. So I, actually, I'm just going to go into that as well, as well. While, you know, the, the Brits can be looking across the Atlantic at the, at the US and, and saying, okay, well, you know, the, the currency looks fine to us because it's still about $1.35 to a pound or vice versa, um, then that's fine. But the point is that since this, especially since this uh, COVID pandemic began, uh, the currencies have been devaluing hugely. And, you know, again, you may see on the news that industry took a hit because of, you know, reduced exports due to COVID or whatever it is. But the point is that the reason why every dollar and every pound and every euro is worth considerably less as time goes on is because the puppet, weak-minded puppet leaders are printing money like it's going out of fashion. And I just took a quick peek at the 
US um, national debt, and it's it's up there knocking on 30 trillion dollars uh, now. Now that that's a huge amount of money. When we started this show, it was obviously on the increase, but uh, it's knocking on 30 trillion now. That, that's that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to pay back, and considering uh, industry is is not at its optimum at the moment due to COVID, um, it's, it's going to take an even longer time, generations to pay this money back if it's even possible. Um, so to, to go back on the point, uh, every day our pounds and euros and, and dollars are worth less, but because they're linked, we may not see the fact they're worth less because you know money's being printed hand over fist. But when you take a country which is not necessarily directly connected to this group, the fiat group, then that may highlight a problem earlier than some of the, uh, the fiat currency groups. So the Turkish lira, to go back in, in history again, 2004, there were uh, 2.6 lira to a pound, a UK pound. Uh, it doesn't really mean a lot to a lot of people, I guess. Um, but it, it went through some changes over the last 20 years. Uh, 18, 20 years. Uh, it touched on various numbers. At some point, it went up to around eight, eight Turkish lira to a pound. Um, even last year, I think it was around eight, eight lira to a pound, nine lira to a pound, something along those lines. But literally since October of last year, there were some, some big wiggles in the graphs, and November and December, things went a little bit crazy. Just before the Christmas period, the, there were 25, almost 25 lira to one pound, um, which is which is a huge, massive devaluation for Turkish lira. And over the, the Christmas period, the um, in fact, I think it's actually since October, the Turkish government have been uh, bolstering the Turkish lira by um, basically uh, spending their their finance their their, their foreign reserve, dollar reserve amounts, uh, in uh, burning them literally um, in, in an attempt to stabilize the Turkish lira. And to be fair, it, it, it did take a lot of money, um, but it did stabilize. It went from 25 Turkish lira to the pound. I'm using the pound as my reference because that's what I've been watching more than the dollar. Uh, but it went back down to something in the region of, uh, I think it was 15 Turkish lira in a matter of days. So clearly, a lot of money was injected. Uh, there were a lot of rumours about where this came, money came from, but I think it, it's it's more clear now that there are, out of a certain amount, I think it was 30 billion US dollar reserve, has now gone down to something nearer to 8.5 or 9 billion dollar uh, reserve, which may explain. Uh, <laughs> why the, the currency is stabilized, that injection sort of um, stabilized the, the Turkish lira for a certain amount of time. But the problem is it did not fix it because these, these are the symptoms. Um, so now we're at the point where the Turkish government this week requested, I'm not quite sure how much of a request or ordered or basically let it be known that the main export companies of, of Turkey should sell 25% of their foreign reserves to the government. 
And as a result, frankly, frankly, bearing in mind that Turkish interest rates are low and inflation is incredibly high, I'll come to that in a minute, there is no other real source of income. So unless Turkey finds a new gold mine, a new diamond mine, a new oil reserve, a new gas reserve, it has to get its money from somewhere. So it's, it's knocking on the door of industry, the export industry. And of course, it's the Turkish industry, which, had a, which did actually have a booming year last year. It was uh, something in the region of around $215 billion uh, of, of exports, I believe, which is a, a booming year, despite everything. Um, suddenly, 25% of the foreign reserves of these export companies uh, were holding in order to buy wood engines, uh, import the various components they need for, for production to therefore export. Uh, suddenly, 25% of that potential is now being held by the government, which means that these export companies are going to be crippled uh, in, the, in the coming year because obviously all of their expectations to buy, you know, uh, 10,000 engine components to build tractors, whatever it is, and then export them. Those engines, they're going to have to order 25% less now. So that is a difficult pill to swallow, but clearly the Turkish uh, economy is going to suffer, or the export economy is going to suffer hugely from that. Now, inflation, that's really what it's going to cost the average person in the street, that is sky high at the moment. In the last few weeks, literally, uh, petrol or gas, as you call it, uh, has doubled in price. So I don't think there's any point in comparing what we're paying, what you're paying. Uh, the last time I filled up a car in the US, when the, the four-court attendant told me the price, I just laughed. I was so happy at the low price because of what I've been used to paying in Europe and in Turkey. Uh, but in any case, our price has just doubled in the last week, few weeks. The electricity prices have increased by, uh, let's say, electricity and gas have increased something in the region of 50%. And that's for personal consumers or home consumers. But for those people in industry, that's gone over, over 100% increase. Uh, I don't know, it's 120, 110% in, uh, increase on, on the electricity or the gas energy prices. So that's going to hit people hard. And I've been following a uh, few podcasts um, from sort of financial, more financially minded people than myself. And one of them focused on some data that came directly from Istanbul. And Istanbul is obviously a, a huge city. There's something in the region of, uh, I don't know, say 15, 16 million people there. Uh, and probably increases by the day and decreases by the evening uh, as, as people come and go to work. But taking data from there, section from there, in the month of December alone, there was a 9.6% increase in, in costs of everything. Obviously, if you... Uh, annualize that, then that comes to something like a 115% uh, increase on the year in inflation. So people are really feeling uh, the, the pain from the increases. And although the government has announced that the national minimum wage has also increased uh, to cope with this, the minimum national wage here was already so incredibly low 
I have no idea how people survived in the first place. So when even if they doubled it, it's still incredibly low. And then if you take into account this monster inflation, this hyperinflation, then I, I still don't know how a lot of people are going to survive, frankly. So that is kind of a section, Aneta, uh, about what's going on here. And I think the prognosis, again, it can all go different ways. But bearing in mind that the the foreign reserve, the government foreign reserve, which was around 30 billion not so many months ago, is now probably less than nine. And if we project that forward, unless, as I say, they suddenly find a new gold mine, diamond mine, gas field or oil field uh, within the next, say, six to eight weeks, then a friendly country is going to have to come and help or let's say the International Monetary Fund is going to have to come in and uh, uh, sell a loan, I guess. Uh, so well, it's good. Watch this space. That, yeah, that, well, that's their plan, of course. You know, that's the plan is to force everyone into this situation. So, uh, you know, I, I want to get into it. Uh, we're, we're coming up on a break, but uh, do want to get into that idea that we have um, a situation where they had intended from their own documents to crash all of the economies. And basically, I've, you know, I think I said this last week or whenever we were last talking about this, about, um, you know, it's like they pulled the pin on the hand grenade and now you can't put the pin back in, right? It's pulled. And so all of the things, all of the things that they were going to cover behind, uh, you know, the supply chain, I mean, you've got a 25% reduction and being able to purchase parts, but you also have a supply chain problem, right? The whole world does. And this is all intentional. This was all to bring us back into this forced, basically, uh, the inflation so bad, the situation so bad that uh, we have we have to go to them. But the, here's the problem. They, they don't have the cover stories now because their whole uh, sequence of events, they were supposed to cover but they're now it's all out in the open what's going on. So the only, you know, the only mandates they have, and these are mandates that actually hold, unlike what they're using these other things for, they have the, in the U.S., they have to keep the inflation to 2% per year, and, you know, annually, which, you know, it's nowhere close because it was, what, 6.8 last month here? That's By nice. the way, yeah, 6.8, but it doesn't include, it doesn't include energy costs, it doesn't include housing costs, and it doesn't include food costs. I don't know anybody who can avoid those three things. But somehow those aren't in the cost of living. This is how they manipulate the statistics. If we look at the actual real thing, we look at the, the real prices like gasoline and electric and how much it costs to buy a pound of hamburger or eggs or whatever, you know, it's a completely different story. And again, it's massive, massive uh, inflation, which is just devaluation of our dollar. But, uh, you know, we're, we're coming up hard on the break, but we do have this this circumstance where uh, Turkey, I, I <laughs> Turkey's in this really unique place because they have said to their citizens, "You may not use cryptocurrency," and um, they're making it illegal to make the transactions in cryptocurrency. They're trying to force this staying into the fiat currency system, whereas Americans are fleeing. And uh, the currency, which means the people will choose the better option for themselves, which certainly won't be fiat. So I think we'll come back on that. But uh, it's certainly a very interesting uh, circumstance. And we haven't even begun to talk about all the collapsing governments around the world. So 
the next half hour should be interesting. <laughs> so with that, uh, let's uh, take ourselves back to a break here. You're listening to The Other Side of the News with Timothy Saunders, Kinthea, and myself, Aneta. We'll be right back. weeks ago that says am I being selfish and I said absolutely but I'm not doing this for me I'm doing this for my grandchildren and my grandchildren's children I see the loss of rights and freedoms I've lived long enough to know what's happening here and I cannot stand back and simply comply I'm gonna resist those measures with everything that I have uh, emotionally psychologically physically legally I cannot allow our rights and freedoms to be taken from us. We have to stand up for them. And this is where I say that we have to become adults. We have to stand up for our rights and freedoms. We can't ask for them. We have to demand that they be honored and respected. To me, the masking is part of the strategy of totalitarian tiptoe. We just keep encroaching on you and it's just a little bit worse than it was yesterday. And most people don't see it, but we see it. And that's why this program and the work that you guys are doing is so important. Ted Kunz from Vaccine Choice Canada. I just want to reach out and express my gratitude to other side of the news for all that you guys are doing to empower humanity and bring us to a higher state of consciousness. Uh, the time that we shared together was a real pleasure, rich conversation, and I know that all of you are uh, higher conscious beings who are uh, part of the solution. I just want to express my gratitude to Kinthea, Timothy, and Aneta and your program, The Other Side of the News. You guys are great. And welcome back to The Other Side of the News. Uh, tonight our show is called The Deteriorating Narrative. And I just want to remind all our listeners that we are building a news website the other side of the news.com, which currently points to a page on Richard's site, but we'll be moving to our own site. 
And we have a new Rumble platform. You can find it at rumble.com forward slash the other side of the news, the other side of the news. And this conversation is really lively back and forth. So much information. Actually, I'm getting dizzy myself. (laughs) So uh, I'm going to bring back uh, Timothy. You want to come on? Sure. Thank you. And that's one of the things you just mentioned before the break is that the Turkish government said that Turkish people may not use crypto. Now, I can totally understand that they may not want cryptocurrency to be used at the moment. And so, yes, Turkish people are being asked to um, basically hodl their, their Turkish lira and to you know, focus on, on preserving the value of the Turkish lira, if at all possible. But that said, there are billboards everywhere for advertising Turkish cryptocurrency offices, sites, new websites, uh, providers, what you call them. Um, and around me, there are also many new tokens. I mean, literally within, I live in the country. I live in uh, the edge of a little village. But literally within 100 meters of where I am, I know that there is a, a crypto farm that is about to launch a, a new token in about uh, in about a week from now. I see that because it's advertised on billboards all the way through the, the town I live in. So, you know, there is definitely cryptocurrency here. And I think that we must come back to this word that I mentioned in, in, in my opening, which is discernment. Discernment is so important. There are thousands, thousands of cryptocurrencies um, around the world. I think thousands, anyway. Um, But the point is that some of them are genuinely interesting. Some of them may genuinely be good investments, in my opinion. And a lot of them may not be. And some of them, as well, may also be, uh, let's let's face it, CIA operations or covert uh, Federal Reserve operations trying to entice people to sell dollars and buy uh, part of their money with, with a virtual a virtual dollar, for example, which is also not gold standard. So, again, discernment is all, all so important. And there are a number of... I, t- I would totally, totally agree with you. What I understood when I read the stuff about the Turkish was it wasn't that the Turkish people couldn't have crypto, the thing they were putting the onus on the businesses not to accept it, that it, that, that would be the illegal part, was they were trying to control that. And I think that what we're looking at here is a government trying to not allow people the choice, like they did in the 30s, where they took away the choices to have anything but the centralized banking. And I think, you know, Turkey's a great example of that right now. And course people would like to get out of that system because look what it's doing it's imploding on itself right so we're going to see a lot of that we're seeing it all around the world where uh, we have these you know these countries where and the u.s is right behind it i mean not like we're separate from us um you know kazakhstan this this week has this huge uh, basically collapse of the government uh, based on many things i think uh, it's the the totalitarianism there, but also the complete and utter collapse of the currency system because 
the haves and have-nots are extraordinarily far apart in that country. And the haves are trying to uh, enforce all their rules on the have-nots, and the have-nots are not having it, in fact, at all. Um, and I know that there's a lot of connection with, with everything going on in that part of the world. Uh, so the people are speaking out and trying to, to get out from underneath this, um, you know, this fiat currency system that's controlled by, ultimately by the top of the top of the top of the elites. And now, you know, we've got the banksters running the world, and they are trying to bring us into the Great Reset. I mean, you're very, very familiar with, with old, uh, we always call him uh, Klaus Anil Schwab, right? So Happy, happy you remembered his uh, full name, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, with that, I mean, we're, they're trying to pull us in one place, and the people are trying to go out the other way. And I see uh, the, I see the crypto as a way to... Uh, get away from their controlled system uh and and the for example bitcoin you know bitcoin has a set amount that you can't just keep producing more bitcoin which means it's not like it's it doesn't have the inflationary or the you know the def, the devaluation potential because if you can't just keep producing trillions of dollars out of thin air it doesn't make every dollar worth less money in fact the dollars aren't even worth anything in truth because they're a piece of paper worth about three cents so anyway, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Turkey's fascinating because it, it's they're they're trying hard. I mean, you can see you can see the central banking systems showing their true colors, desperately trying to hold on to that narrative and desperately trying to keep the control. And the people are are more clever than that. They're going to go and use VPNs. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. They're going to go all around it, right? I mean, isn't that what you're seeing? Absolutely. Um... But what's, what's very confusing is the apparently last year, I say apparently because I, I, I don't really have a handle on, on how I could possibly check this, but apparently last year was one of the best, as I say, export years of all time, or certainly for decades anyway. With some, uh, so after a bumpy year, when, when the world was, frankly, uh, yeah, deeply affected by COVID, then... It, it's amazing how it can go from that state to, to this state in, in such a, a very short time. Um, you would have thought that if that, that money is coming in, it would actually line the pockets of a lot of people. But apparently the profit margins statistically were, were low. And Turkey has uh, one of its main advantages is it has a, a, a fairly good, well-skilled workforce. Um, I say fairly good. It's very good when it's properly managed. Uh, the and it can produce luxury goods and uh, engineering and all sorts of things. It's very um, what can I say? Uh, it, it provides good value for money. I think a stable good value for money product when it's properly managed. And I think that's that's one of the reasons why I was I was attracted to yacht building uh, here many years ago. But I go on going off, off subject a little bit. But the point is that if if everything is peeling back to the minimum, I say profit margins are, are, are you know low, much lower than perhaps they are in other countries, and the labour price is low relative to other countries, then you know it, it's, it's surprising how that one mode of transport, that one means of bringing money in, 
because tourism has not really been very hot for any country, I think, for the last couple of years. You know, why is that now being a tax? Now, just going through the motions here, Anessa, the Turkey, because of its position, is kind of on the crossroads of many cultures and many countries. You have, obviously, you know, Russia to the north. You have uh, the crossroads between the Arab nations to the south. You have the east and the west. So it literally is it's, it's one of the crossroads of the, of the planets, I believe. I mean, there are many. And as a result, I think the political and economic strategies may be may be seen to be slightly more volatile than perhaps uh, other sort of European or, or American countries. And just because there's always going to be that playoff between different cultures and different nations. Now, I think that can be played to an advantage, um, certainly for Turkey, and I think that's something they have been doing for, for some time, maybe, maybe historically for some time. Um, but the point is right now, what we have is a borderless regime on this planet. You know, we, we kind of think we need a passport to cross from this border to that border. But in fact, what we're clearly seeing is this lockstep uh, strategy that's just like a wave um, crossing all nations, all territories of the planet uh, with, with some covert, but a lot of hidden agendas. And I think that is what's what's happening. We, we, for example, if we look back to Belarus, for example, that was one of the countries that did not succumb to the COVID protocols. It was one of the countries that was not, um, you know, for example, I, I cite back to when Boris Johnson, when it's full of pride that he just finally, he had suddenly managed to fix the whole Brexit situation and, and felt, you know, independent and we're going to strive for a better Britain and so on and so on and so on. He, he said that, no, we're not going to go with the COVID measures. We're going to go for the natural herd immunity um, um, strategy. But within a week and a half or two weeks, he did a complete U-turn, stood aside and let the WHO tell him basically what to do, as did the WHO do to most other countries. But as I go back to Belarus, Belarus said, no, we don't want to do this. And they also refused financial incentives now, Turkey uh, is also a country which I was said, would say is not as strict as some of the Northern European countries in terms of, sort of COVID protocols. But there is most definitely uh, a whole group of people that are being vaxxed and wearing masks and social distancing and so on. But I would say not as strict as, for example, Australia or New Zealand or Canada or perhaps the United Kingdom and so on. So. I wonder if there is a sort of an incremental measure of how much um, how much each country adheres to the protocols in relation to this sort of financial aid packet, or the, or even maybe the, an allowance that okay, you you join the COVID club, and uh, you too can print you know trillions of dollars uh, every month because you'll you'll have you know a good reason to do it. I, well, I, I don't know if I. I, I don't know if I'm, I'm hitting on. Yeah. Okay, good. Otherwise, yeah, I'm just going to keep rambling. <laughs> <the next. laughs> no, I think there's a direct corollary uh, because we've we've known this. I mean, and also there's uh, there was an assassination attempt on the. I don't know if he's the president or the. I think he's the president. I think that's the title in Belarus. 
uh, that was in April of 2020. Um, and then there you know, we also know about the African countries that didn't go along, and I think there was four four different countries that have uh, had their presidents assassinated. Haiti is another one. So mm-hmm. these countries that don't go along, not only do they not get the money, but they, you know, can get killed for it. Uh, there's a lot of that going on. Period. Uh, there's they're they're killing uh, truth tellers in this country right now. Believe me, I, I lost one yesterday, lost a friend. And it's uh, so these these people are for real. They're they're not they're not backing down. They're not they're they're caged. You know they're like a trapped animal, right? And the big way that they control is they if they if they destroy an economy, and they put uh, they destroy an economy and they put a, a country into debt. They can put them into debt slavery. That's how they get the control. And it all has like I said, follow the money and go go with the uh, centralized bank because that's how they get all that that ability they have to create the crisis that puts these countries into this vulnerable spot and then once you go so far into debt like you said earlier how could we even ever pay off those kinds of debts it doesn't matter if it's your great-grandchildren your great-great-great-grandchildren they'll never be able to pay off that debt because it continues to accrue uh interest and all that the only way to to resolve this problem that we have worldwide at this point because the uh IMF is in every single country. So the only way to do this literally is to do what we're going through now. Um, it's, uh, we, we have to take down the system we're in and the people have got to recreate our money system and we need it on a solid, substan- like a, a, a substantive uh, system that cannot be modified and controlled by a small group of people that have all the control in the world. But this whole situation in you know the pedophilia all of it it's all connected up right all of it that's how they control how do they control well they you know they control the the uh different people through pedophilia and then those people control you know the next level the next level but ultimately it all comes down to the money and yes you're absolutely correct timothy in that there is a strong corollary between how cooperative are you and how much money are you going to get but that doesn't go to the people they want to destroy the economy so and the big the big cherry over here is the united states for a lot of reasons but it's a you know they want it right they want to destroy this country very badly they want to destroy all the five eyes in particular but uh you know they're trying to do this and and they're almost succeeding except that i don't i don't believe that that they're going to win but uh, we need to wake up and 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 take back our control. And one of the best ways we can do it is to stop supporting uh, these businesses that are cooperating with this totalitarian regime and to take control of your money and get it out of the centralized banking system, which is, like I said, putting it in in something that's substantive and starting to switch over. People are switching over to using different payment systems. One of the the things you mentioned earlier is the destabilization Again, if you look geographically where Kazakhstan is, it's mm. between China and Russia, uh, which is interesting, of course. And Kazakhstan is no small state. It's enormous. It's, it's huge, huge country. And it has and, incredible uh, natural resources, right? <laughs> incredible. Yeah, yes, including gas, I believe, yes. Yeah. Uh, with about 19 million people. So it's an enormous country. Um, so one would assume that it's been targeted 
obviously not just but the fuel prices, which I think is what sparked off this uh, this this uh, event this week. I think fuel prices were, let's say, if they were at 50, whatever the currency is, they were put up to, um, sorry, they were at 60, and the prices were doubled, so they went up to 120. And when people went on the streets, I think that the prices were then put down to 50, so actually slightly lower than it was before to try and bring calm. But isn't that strange how, again, we look at these numbers, 60 goes to 120. I've just talked about the doubling prices in Turkey of the energy prices. Yeah, gas prices. Um, I, when I say gas, I mean natural gas, but I mean gas also fuel prices for cars, you know, uh, that also has doubled in the last few weeks here. So it, it looks like the prices are being artificially hiked. Now, whether that really is down to the lack of movement of um, resources around the planet, which is therefore down to a lack of drivers, truck drivers, uh, ship captains, uh, ships waiting to be unloaded in docks and so on, whatever it is. But that comes down to the same COVID bullshit excuse, if, if I may say. And it comes down to the same pandemic. So absolutely, in my opinion, this whole thing is artificial. And uh, it is all part of the, the strategy. It's all part of the, 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 the workflow. Absolutely. The, the commodities market, is completely controlled. We know that. Uh, sure. So these gas prices are absolutely manipulated. And we've had a double in, in gasoline or petrol uh, over here, but we've had it over a longer period of time. Um, since we've had poopy pants in the faux White House, we've had a doubling. Um, and But our other things are, are you know, electricity and, and our natural gas to heat houses, things like that. Um, They've gone up substantially, as has everything with food and housing. Housing's interesting. Um, you know, housing is, is so out of control. And we're in California uh, here um, that uh, people have completely given up. And, you know, the, how, the homeless thing is out of, just out of control. Um, uh, so we, we have all of that stuff going on. And... Um, so what are they saying? They're saying, well, the so believe me, anytime that the, the the Federal Reserve says something, you can take it and take it 180 degrees out of phase. This is historically absolutely accurate. So be a prophet, right? Listen to what they're saying and do the opposite and you'll be good. OK, because <laughs> they're saying, oh, there's no problem, blah, blah, blah. They've done this over and over again. So but they did say one thing that's truthful, I think, that they believe that they may have to, they may have to raise interest rates three to six times in 2022. What's that going to do? It's going to totally shut down the economy, but they, they've got a problem because they've got inflation out of control at the same time. We've never had this set of, of economic pressures all at the same time. And that's because this was planned to go down in a certain way. And the plan was disrupted. Like I said earlier, the plan has been greatly disrupted. So now we've got a raw open plan showing the people around the world how we actually got manipulated into this. And it's a tough wake-up call, but here we are. Um, and this is actually, I, I hate to be the, the, the doom and gloom, but it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better on the financial end. But in the end, you know, we have to take down the system, or otherwise they stay in control. And this is always ultimately how they stay in control. We know the Great Reset is all about total and complete control. Remember, you will own nothing and be happy. Well, I don't think so. 
you know i don't think so i'm not going to agree with that uh no. so uh you know who says you know <laughs> no i, I t- t- totally agree i mean all part, part of uh, discernment is awareness before action so mm-hmm. i it, it, this is the awareness part if we been blissfully uh, continuing our normal life and, and all of this had never happened, then an awful lot of people would not have been aware about how corrupt and how far things have actually gone. So unfortunately, as you say, this is the, the, the dark before the light, or it's, it's the, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, what can we say? That will do. Let's just move on. That, that will, that will but, do. There's a lot of ways to say it. But Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. One of the, the things... It, and yes, I was just going to say one of the things, because I, I just noticed we're, we're rapidly running out of time. And you mentioned uh, an analogy to somebody wearing a, a nappy earlier. But yesterday was the uh, the resurrection of the insurrection. We ought to give mm-hmm. that a quick mention before we uh, we close. Um, how is... How's the temperature where you are? I mean, that's maybe a bad question, but how is the temperature in the United States? I know the temperature where you are about this, but <laughs> <laughs> how has yeah, this well, resurrection been received? Well, uh, you know, I really don't know because I'm kind of in my own little echo chamber, but I do know that the the mainstream or the I call it the lamestream media was just off off the rails, and they they can't they they're totally obsessed with it. They can't let it go. Um, not that we want to let it go, but, uh, you know, you have to look at the contrast between, you know, the mostly peaceful protests where we have cities burning down in back of us. And I posted on uh, my Telegram channel, which is the Patrick Henry channel, I posted a picture today of, oh, they must have forgotten that this is what it looked like uh, in 2016 in Washington, D.C. They were setting building on fire and we had riot control when uh, Trump got elected. Uh, and his inauguration, that was his inauguration. So, um, you know, they, they, have, they have this very selective memory. And the problem we have here is we've got uh, such a uh, captured uh, justice system. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a very, very uh, generous use of the term. Uh, but, uh, you know, we have these criminals going free everywhere. And we've got these people who literally were just standing in a crowd uh, and they are uh, in prison without charges, without a fair and speedy, tri- speedy trial, in, in isolation. It's a gulag in Washington D.C. Now I've talked about it before. It's not actually in this, in the United States. So that's there's a jurisdiction problem there. But here's the thing: there were two million people. It's the largest group of people ever to descend upon Washington D.C. ever. In the history, there's two million people there, and they know the truth about what happened and what didn't happen. And you have to, again, you have to look at the whole thing and go, what, why, does, why do we want to have all the, the facts covered up? Why are all the security cameras? There's like 14,000 hours or something like that that they won't release. And I remember having a letter from the police chief of the Capitol Police uh, right when it happened. Uh, and he's sitting there saying in the letter, oh, you know, we think we need more security. He's writing it to Pelosi. Pelosi's denying it. Uh, Trump wanted to send in uh, 10,000 National Guards. She denied it. Now they're trying to make that all go away. This is all going to backfire on them. Believe me when I say it, it's going to backfire. It did not go well. They're just banging on about nothing. And anybody who's even halfway awake that, that isn't in that 30% that's completely brainwashed, they're looking at this going, this doesn't even make sense. So I don't think it's, 
the temperature is, I don't think it's going so well. Okay, well, I, I also heard that Trump was going to make a speech to mark the mm -hmm. same date as well. And apparently he was advised that maybe not such a good idea after all. So apparently he's going to delay that until Saturday. The 15th, uh, yeah. I, 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 okay, yeah, the, my, my tinfoil hat comes out here. And um, I think that that was, a, uh, that was an optics move. I think that he never intended, if you, if you analyze what was actually said in that letter, I think that this was uh, basically a decoy. Um, and that the, uh, and, it, and it, it got a lot of people to reveal themselves like that scumbag Ted Cruz and all that. It, it, it showed a lot of people's true colors. So I think that it was effective in that. And uh, remember, we're in a war and you can't take anything directly as it comes out of one's mouth. You've got to decode it. So when we are in a silent war, absolutely. Um, and that's another reality, but that's a different show. <laughs> we're almost out of time. Can you believe it? <laughs> oh. Certainly has flown by. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, um, I wanted to say, too, one last thing. We have just a few seconds. This moronic uh, variant. So I, I don't have time to go into all of it, but let me tell you, if you look up statistically, Germany is reporting 96% of their people that are... Um, in Omicron cases are the vaccinated people and stuff. It's coming out all over the place. So this narrative is really crumbling right under our feet here. So very interesting, very interesting times. So we, um, I think, I think this is going to be a very interesting year. <laughs> We've been well, waiting for this. The understatement of the year. Okay. <laughs> well, and that's a thank you. Kintia, thank you. Despite the initial unpleasant realization of the truth, you will see there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is an increasing number of respected journalists, writers, politicians, doctors, lawyers, influencers, artists, activists, and innovators who are wide awake and are already making great impact. All they require from you is to unplug from mainstream social media, propaganda, to make your own independent research, to stop acquiescing and to stand up for what you believe in with respect to others. Remember, you were born with power and you wake up each day with power. It is entirely up to you how you choose to retain or give it away. You've been listening to another live broadcast of The Other Side of the News. This 84th edition is entitled The Deteriorating Narrative and remains available at www.theothersideofthenews.com. My name is Timothy Saunders, and together with Kintia and Annette Driscoll, offer special thanks to our listeners, our sound engineer, Keith Morgan, and the rest of our contributors. We wish you all a positive week and look forward to reconnecting with you on our next edition next Friday. Good night. Good night.